Welcome to Lucas Baseball, brought to you by DrRoto.com. Check out our fantasy baseball draft guide at DrRoto.com and start dominating your leagues. I'm Lou Landers, joined by my co-host Lucas Beery. Lucas, we took care of the outfield rankings, or part one of the outfield rankings, on our previous episode. Today, we will finish that off. Absolutely. Provided uh, some, some solid insights and commentary on the first half of the pool, and We'll kind of uh, bang out the next half here, and we'll go from there. Yeah, we also had a little bit of dog interruption. We had a FaceTime call. It was a very eventful show. Yes, it was. Hopefully, we can remain uh, mostly interrupted, but uh, Winston may chime in, so we'll have to wait and see. It's all good. It's all good, man. Over to this first tier on this show. It's called the Still Strong Tier. We got Avisail Garcia, Andrew Benintendi, AJ Pollock, Jared Kalenic. Austin Meadows, Hunter Renfro, Jorge Soler, Jesus Sanchez, Marcelo Zuna, Harrison Bader, Ian Happ, Michael Conforto. That's a lot of names. We'll break it up into two, three at a time. We'll start with Avisail, Benintendi, and Happ. Um, Avisail's home run total is likely going to drop going to Miami. I'm not sure if you agree with that or not, but he's still a solid bat. He's going to hit in the middle of the Marlins lineup, should rack up close to 90 RBIs, score 70 runs or so, maybe even swipe you five to eight bags, hit 260 or so. I still think he can hit 20 homers. Um, Does have the 30 homer potential we saw last year. I just don't expect it to continue in that ballpark. Benintendi, one of my highest owned players this season. You can get him between picks 175 and 200 most of the time. And he's going to help you in every category. 270 batting average, 70 runs, 80 RBIs, 8 to 10 steals, 16 to 22 homers, hitting in the middle of the lineup, entering his prime power years. We might see a career year from him. Then Ian Happ, big second half, finished the season with good numbers overall because of it. 25 homers, 9 steals, uh, 129 runs plus RBIs. The average stunk, but at ADP 187, there's not really much to expect um, more out of him. I think if you got a similar stat line in 2022, you'd be pretty happy. Yeah, he'll need it. I have uh, about 50% exposure on Ian Happ, which may be uh, risky to some, but that's how the cards have fell. This outfield tier, Lou, I'm telling you, is where I've been cleaning up at, on drafts. Waiting on the outfield is a good idea if you're okay with some of the later names, and we're going to hit those right here. Happ is going to have a premium lineup spot for the Cubs. He's going to provide your 23 to 26 homers, solid counting stats, hopefully 8 to 12 steals. The thing is, is the batting average could kill you a little bit if he hits 230 again. But he could also hit 250, and his uh, plate skills are good enough to give him good runs scored because he walks a ton. Benny is another player similar to you. We're both all over him. He's kind of like an Ian Happ, but he has a lot more secure batting average and uh, maybe a little bit less less power, so that's a trade-off that most would be willing to make since it's harder to fix batting average than it is to add power in season since you can just got stream a little bit more put in guys that have more games played etc so not a whole lot to keep going on with those and then with garcia i agree his power will drop but man i tell you this was one of those players that surprised me with how good his numbers were i didn't really have him on any teams last year and 29 homers eight steals with 260 average and 86 rbi I mean, this guy's a stud. He's gonna he's he's underpriced, I think, and he's gonna do another twenty five homer, ten steal a year with a good average. So I love it. I remember when he first debuted in the big leagues. He was with the Tigers, and they were calling him Mini Miggy. 
um, as in Miguel Cabrera. Oh, wow. I mean, obviously he's not turned into that player, but he's definitely impressed. I will say that. One more thing on Ben and Tandy, and nothing's for sure, but um, I own him so much because of what he's done last year, because of the profile, but every projected lineup I can see for the Kansas City Royals has him batting cleanup right behind Salvador Perez. I mean, if that's not sexy, I don't know what is. He's moving up. I was getting him in the 220s in a lot of drafts early on, and uh, you're going to readjust that price to probably the 160 to 180 range. So that's a good call out there on the lineup spot. Absolutely. Jared Kalenic, AJ Pollock, Austin Meadows. Kalenic, world of potential, tough go of it in Major League Baseball last year, certainly in the average department. He batted under 200. I don't think that's going to happen again, though. He did rack up counting stats though 14 homers six steals 93 games across a full season i think we could see a 75 runs 75 rbis 25 homers 12 stolen bases type of player and pretty solid from a player going around nine or ten of your 15 team drafts aj pollock knock on him over the years has been health and or playing time playing time i don't think it's going to be an issue this season with the nldh so basically he just needs to remain healthy um even in just 384 at-bats a year ago, though, plenty productive. 297 average, 53 runs, 21 homer, 69 RBIs, 9 stolen bases. Imagine if he actually could get 500 or more at-bats, uh, something he could do if he plays DH more often than not. And then Austin Meadows. I uh, got my first and only share of him in TGFBI this year. Might be traded, might sit versus lefties, but very solid power hitter. Going to rack up counting stats. Batted 234 last season, but in his prior last full season, he hit 291. The year before that, he hit 287. If the average even comes back up into the 250 range, we're looking at a 30 homer, 95 RBI, 80 runs type player who has stolen 12 bases in a season before. Maybe gives you only four or five, but the potential's there for a lot more everywhere. Yeah, Meadows is a tricky player. It's it's popular to be out on Meadows these days, which, look, I can understand that. The batting average has slipped. The fly ball rate has skyrocketed up to a point where that's really what his goal is, is to just try to lift the ball and let's cut his batting average down a lot. At the end of the day, as DFS players, you and I both know, this is one of the best offenses in the major leagues. And this is potentially the cleanup hitter for it. I know he could be platooned. That's a little bit of a downs, downside, but... I think 25 homers and potentially 85 to 90 RBIs is in the cards. And I think where he's going, that that's, that's fairly reasonable past pick 150, 160. Pollock is one of my, another one of my most owned players. People will be surprised if they look into his stats last year with a 297 average, 21 homers and nine steals and really good counting stats for the Dodgers. Sure. He's going to miss some time, but he's also going well after pick 200. So I love that. And then Kelnick, is a player that I've had in Dynasty for a few years, and I was excited. I was on him last year, and he flopped. Don't really know what exactly he's going to do next year, but a, a big step up is baked into the price going around pick 125 to 130. That's just too rich for my blood. Sometimes prospects do skyrocket overnight, so that is a possibility for him if he can just cut down the Ks and do a better job against the shift, which killed him last year. But that's much easier said than done. And realistically, Benintendi going much later. I think that uh, I think that he could provide better numbers, and it's just too early for me with Kelnick. Even though I can see the talent, there's just too much uh, hope being baked into the price. 
Yeah, especially if he struggles to hit for batting average again. I'm not really worried about anything else with him. I think he'll deliver in all the other categories. But, um, I mean, I don't think he's going to hit under 200, but if he hits 215 or 220, that's going to hurt you. Hunter Renfro, Jorge Soler, Marcel Ozuna. Uh, Renfro had a massive season with Boston last season, really benefiting from their lineup skill, the lineup depth, hitters, ballpark, and, of course, the Green Monster in his home stadium. Uh, not going to say he can't repeat the success because twenty two, um, sorry, 2019 was comparable in a lot of ways aside from batting average. But we should probably temper our expectations a little bit with him, especially in the batting average department. Um, he hit for it okay last year, but 2019 he batted 216. 2020 he batted 156. Uh, this is a guy whose batting average has been all over the place throughout his career. And it's a little risky for my blood. Jorge Soler really turned it on after being traded to the Braves last year. Kind of leads me to believe that as a power hitter, um, he's going to be able to help you in homers, runs, and RBIs. He's a player worth drafting if you're in need of help in those areas. Don't expect much average, certainly no stolen bases. As long as you know what you're getting with him, though, I think I'm fine with that pick. And then Marcel Ozuna. Uh, putting aside the off-field issues, we don't really go into that sort of stuff on this show we're kind of about what happens on the field. And on the field, Ozuna can make a difference. I don't expect the stolen bases to come back now that he's in his 30s, but there's tremendous upside in the bat, especially when he's being taken in the 200s or so of your draft um, after 200 basically everywhere I've seen. You really had nothing to lose in taking him other than maybe a little bit of dignity. But again, I won't go into the off-field shenanigans with him. He's a player that I wish I could have had more shares on my team. As I've said many times on this show, I really am looking for those kind of stable profiles. I know what I'm getting. I can just kind of pencil in my numbers and move on. With Ozuna and Trevor Bauer, we won't talk about the off-field. That's not really what we focus in on, but uh, I don't know. I just I thought that there was a chance he may kind of either get a long suspension or something, but it looks like he's going to be ready to play opening day, which is a surprise, and that's why I don't have him. I do think the market's a little bit slow to adjust on him. If he's hitting cleanup or fifth for the Braves, I think this could be a, a freaking steal since he does have the chance to do batting average and power, which can be rare with these players since Solaire's probably not going to do batting average, but he will do power. That's kind of how I feel on him. It's pretty cut and dried. I think he's just a solid pick if you need homers. With Hunter Renfro, uh, to kind of touch up on him last, I know you were a little worried about the batting average fluctuating, and I get that. I don't really have him on any teams this year so far, but he did cut the strikeout rate down quite a bit. So that's something. So I think if you're ready for a 230 average with 30 homers, I think that's kind of what you could be looking at. So I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at with Renfro. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm looking too much into the fact that in that Boston lineup, I think he saw a lot of pitches to hit because of the guys hitting around him. And not to say yeah. the Brewers are a bad lineup, but they don't have the star studded power potential that a team like the Red Sox do, in my opinion. And I think that could make a difference in the pitches that he sees and the production that he delivers. Oh, that makes that, that honestly makes a ton of sense. The Brewers are, I wrote their team preview for Dr. Roto and uh, elite pitching and enough to get by on offense is how I would describe it. So that makes a ton of sense considering Boston was usually the stack of the night for us last year. Definitely a good stack for sure. Excited to get to some DFS stuff again once we do get a season again. It could be happening while we're on air. That would be just splendid. Uh, 
more players in this tier, though. Michael Conforto, Harrison Bader, and Jesus Sanchez. Conforto unsigned, coming off a down season in 2021, and I don't have interest in him unless he ends up in Colorado or another hitter-friendly environment. Thing is, bounce back could also be in order. Past four seasons have been very strong for him. He's only 28 years old. Went in the 13th round of my TGFBI league, and at that point, point in the draft I think it could be a great pick because there's really not that much risk in terms of where you're getting him and there's plenty of reward Harrison Bader nice power speed uh, also just hit a career high in average and in homers uh, 27 years old could continue to grow as a hitter could even go maybe 20 homer 13 stolen bases this coming season 260 to 270 average pretty solid guy pretty solid production I should say from a guy who's going around the 15th round in your 15-team leagues. And then Jesus Sanchez, who's a guy that you and I talk about a lot, um, into him big time in 2022. There's a wide range of possibilities on how this season could end up. He could be a 30-homer, 90-RBI, 75-run type of player, but also could bat like 230, get sent down to the minors because of it. Um, I'm banking on the former, especially at ADP 225, but again, wide range of outcomes for Mr. Sanchez. Yeah, there there certainly is. He he played 64 games last year, which isn't a, a huge sample. Kind of high strikeouts, but the encouraging thing is is 13% barrel rate. That's pretty darn good. I think that he'll have a chance to provide around 25 homers and a, a solid enough average to keep you afloat. Excellent lineup spot and as many plate appearances as he can eat in Miami. Harrison Bader, one of my absolute favorite targets. I also wrote about him in the Dr. Roto uh, team team preview, and I had a bold prediction of 2020 for him. Uh, I think that if this guy were to take off and fly up the lineup spot to closer to the leadoff spot, if Tommy Edmond were to falter, you could see an insane upside with, with Bader. And plus, the floor is premium because he's a gold glover in center field, which is going to ensure his plate appearances, and he'll probably do at worst a 15-15 season if he can stay fully healthy with a chance for much more concern the fact that he lowered his strikeout rate a lot. I feel like 10%. it's for him, it's about how often he's going to be given the green light because he's got enough speed to steal 40. Yeah, no, that that's true. And uh, yeah, like I was kind of saying, he cut the strikeout rate down too. So not only did he have the floor of the elite defense, like a Christian Pash theoretically did, but he cut his strikeout rate down too. And if he gets more of a green light, I know a lot of the times, you know, maybe there was a pitcher that was coming up to bat last year. It's hard to say how that affects. There's that. There's also just team philosophy. Some teams run and some teams don't. That's true. And the Cardinals were kind of a top running team. I mean, Goldschmidt ripped off 12 steals last year, but with a new manager in fold, I don't know. Teams kind of reevaluate their stances from time to time. So just looking at what they did last year is no guarantees, of course. Certainly so. Anything else on this tier? Maybe something on Conforto. I don't know if you touched on him. No, I didn't really. Get, he's he's you know okay. I mean, he's not a good batting average guy. He's a good OBP guy. So in real life, he's gonna get a decent contract, maybe the Phillies or something. But he's just fine. I mean, I don't really feel strongly about him. And with other guys that I like better, I haven't ended up with him, even though he's decent, decent power, man, batting average, and young so that's exciting but no steals so not super interested no but definitely going in a nice spot of your drafts yeah. next here flawed but good akil badu joey 
Gallo, Dylan Carlson, Will Myers, Eddie Rosario, Austin Hayes, Adam Duvall, Charlie Blackman, Andrew Vaughn, Tommy Pham, Max Kepler, and Anthony Santander, you know, my favorite name in baseball. <laughs> so Akil Badu uh, doesn't hit well versus lefties, which might cost him some playing time and at bat, but going to be productive, can be considered a poor man's Trank Grisham, in my opinion, kind of going one to two rounds after him as well. 15-15 is expected at this point. Could be more like 14-20. Uh, if you want speed in the outfield yeah. and you miss on Grisham, one of the last 20 stolen base type guys in the outfield who can also hit for some power. So nothing wrong with that, I guess. Dylan Carlson, a nice rookie season, but other than the 79 runs, didn't really blow us away in any other category. Could hit 20 homers, maybe swipe a few bags, but he kind of really needs to either bat 275 plus or hit 25 plus homers to really become an impact player, in my opinion. I think a really good real life player might not be there in fantasy yet. Has potential to be that player, but based on where he's going in the drafts, uh, other players kind of offer more in particular categories where he's going and it's kind of why i have no shares thus far and then joey gallo uh man this guy i mean full season with the yankees he could lead the al in homers potential to smack 45 or 50 but he's gonna barely hit over 200 maybe hit under 200 so only and only if you can afford to take on that horrific batting average is he an okay pick uh if you play in roto leagues i really don't suggest it i agree He's a stud. He, from a real life perspective, he really is a good player. I mean, he's an easy three win guy. The Yankees cleaned out their farm system to get him, but from a roto perspective, he's just going to destroy your batting average and he's not worth it. Maybe in a head to head league, like we kind of mentioned, if you're just a punt batting average, sure. Well, 45 to 50 homers is well within reach in a full season and in a contract year. So that's certainly going to help you in in your head to head. Not worth it in the roto, though. I can't stomach 195 or 210 whatever it might be. No, I'm with you there. Um, remarkably healthy player, and that's good. He's an athletic dude who can kind of mill around in center field, but not interesting for my teams. Whenever I said that Michael Conforto was kind of the definition of vanilla, I might have overlooked Dylan Carlson because that's kind of what he's become at this point. It's sad to see. I loved him as a prospect, but we were hoping for double-digit steals and a bit more power, and neither of those. Have well, I want to see 270 and 25 homers, and then I would be okay with him. He could he could pop up some more home runs. I'm not going to deny him that, but just based on what we've seen now, we need to see a bit more skills growth, and it's a tough ballpark. He's not going to really give you much in the terms of steals. He's okay. I get it, but. Uh, it's just he is a vanilla player at this point to me unless he shows me some more which i haven't seen enough in the underlying profile to to be intrigued and he's really not very cheap either so that's another downside on badu another player that's certainly not cheap he kind of goes higher than most of the players that we've talked about on on the part two episode and he could be good but he also has a limited mlb track record he strikes out a lot could easily get platooned against lefties I think there's a wide range of outcomes, and I think there's a lot of downside with Badu. Even if he could rip off the 20 steals, it's just not a player that I'm investing in when I can get Bader for much cheaper. Yeah, I mean, 15-15, 15-20 is nice, but not necessarily um, if he's not going to hit for batting average. And I do feel like he did not perform at nearly as high a level in the second half last year. And I uh, believe that's probably to do with the fact that the league adjusted to him and he did not make those necessary adjustments. So uh, something to always keep an eye on for sure. The overall stats might look good, but were they all, you know, 
in one month? Were they all early on? Did they come in September? Was September call-ups? Those are all things to consider. Absolutely. And I have another thing that uh, must be considered, Lou. It looks as if uh, officially the MLB and the Players Association have touched up on a tentative agreement per Jeff Passan. Oh, my God. I hope he wasn't hacked again. <laughs> I hope so, too. But it seems, uh, <laughs> seems so far so good. Just wanted to throw that out there to you, man. Well, that would be live breaking news on the Lucas Baseball Podcast. Would be excellent, excellent news. Um, but over to some more tears here. Now you got me all distracted, man. Come on. Sorry, sorry to derail, but that was worth it, I think. It's a bit, it's something we've been waiting on for a long time. Yeah. Fact, oh, 100%. 100%. I'm glad I did that podcast on uh, starting pitchers who were uh, going to benefit from the shortened season because um, I did all of that research and imagine if I would have been planning to do it this weekend. We're, all, we're always trying to stay ahead of the game, though, so even though it was kind of a waste of time, you were at least trying to stay ahead of the curve, so that's well, good. Well, I at least I released the episode before we might have an agreement, so that's what kind of matters to me. But back to the outfield here. Sorry for the uh, being derailed, folks. Will Myers, Austin Hayes, Adam Duvall. Myers... More established version of a guy like Marcana, for instance. Uh, Marcana is a guy that um, can kind of have that 20 homer, 10 stolen base upside. Well, so can Myers, but Myers has 260 average, 140 uh, runs plus RBIs is well within the realm of possibilities for him. Very good lineup. Could DH some as well. Um, get off his feet a little bit. Not injury prone, but has had some injury history for sure. Um, Austin Hayes. Hayes, monster second half last season. Broke out in a big way. Think he could be a 260, 80 run, 80 RBI, 25 homer, 5 stolen base type of player this year. Been a target of mine in most of my drafts. Sadly, haven't gotten as many shares as I would like because he's going earlier than his ADP, at least in the leagues I'm in. And then Adam Duvall. Lucas, if I asked you who led the NL and RBI last year, your answer probably wouldn't be Adam Duvall, unless, of course, you already knew and weren't just taking a guess. But I would never guess him. But yeah, Duvall had 113 RBIs last year while playing most of his games with the Marlins before being traded to the Braves. Smash 38 homers, too. If you're looking for late power in your drafts, I think this is a very good target for you. Absolutely. Duvall is one of the most under kind of, he's kind of one of the most disrespected, I guess, players uh, out there. Um, so yeah, he's, he's really good for the RBI category and, and good homers uh, batting average sink, but that's to say the least whenever he's going much cheaper than guys like Solaire that are, that are sinks as well. So I think he's a good fit for the cheap power nothing else to add there. Hayes is another guy that you were all over. Uh, heading into this offseason. I'm not sure if you cool on him slightly or anything, but I think that I've seen him slip in drafts with the with the fence changes in Baltimore. People are certainly baking that into the price, and I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. Sure, they're going to lose some homers, but they're also going rounds cheaper in fantasy drafts, and I've been taking the plunge on Hayes and Mancini as a result, so I'm good with him because his batting average was decent, 250 with 22 to 25 homers and a great lineup spot is going to be absolutely money when injuries start hitting and it's tough to find full-time players. I'm good with Hayes and Will Myers. In fact, he's one of my most owned players. I think there's a chance for 20 plus home runs with 10 plus deals hitting fifth or sixth for the Padres. So I don't know. There's really not a whole lot needs to be said. I know the injury risk is potential, potentially real there with Myers, but he's going cheap enough. I think he's being overlooked at this point. 
Yeah, could be, could be. Sorry, I'm still excited about the fact that we could have a deal. Um, when you were talking, I was listening, but I was also just like looking through as much as I could to see. And I think it actually might be real, man. I got some goosebumps here. Eddie Rosario, Charlie Blackman, Andrew Vaughn. Rosario still unsigned. Might not be for very long now, though, apparently. 20-plus uh, homers, possible double-digit steals, pretty solid batting average, too. Did deal with some injuries last year, hurt the production. But prior to 2021, Always suited up on a consistent basis. Playing time, not a concern. We just need to wait and see where he goes. Charlie Blackman, the days of him being a lead are clearly gone. He's just a solid player at this point, but plays in a great home ballpark. Down season for him, now at 35 years old. Um, he was still able to be productive, though. 270, 76 runs, 13 homers, 78 RBIs, 3 stolen bases. If I owned him, I'm happy with all of that. Uh, except probably the homers. 13 isn't going to get it done for me. That number could go back up to 20 or more based on the track record and the fact that he'll probably DH quite a bunch this season. Uh, Pick 237 overall seems like a decent spot to grab him too if you want a guy with guaranteed playing time and track record, but nothing all that exciting there. And Andrew Vaughn, elite college bat, spent a little time in the minors and was pretty productive as a rookie in 2021. Started a little slow, but kind of came on Later, as the season progressed, I expect the batting average to greatly improve. Hits in a good ballpark, great lineup, could rack up solid counting stats. There have been some questions about his playing time, but I just don't see it being an issue, Lucas. Elite prospects like this don't get blocked by Adam Engels. I absolutely agree. We had this discussion a few weeks ago, and we both came to kind of the same conclusion. Uh, Andrew Vaughn and Spencer Torkelson in Dynasty Circles have been looked at hand-in-hand. And I just don't see him being blocked. Although I will say, Tony Larusa in charge, it's not impossible. So there is a little bit of risk there, but I'm good with him because I want to bet on the talent uh, that can shoot up the boards. Charlie Blackman, on the other hand, uh, kind of slipping down boards. But the benefit of that is that now he can be streamed at home only and benched on the road. He's had huge splits uh, as far as that goes, and he's going cheap enough where you can plug him in whenever he has four or more games at cores in a week and uh, bench him on the road. Um, so I love that. And Eddie Rosario, on the other hand, if he continues to do what he's been doing, you know, eight to nine, 10 plus steals, good enough batting average, good enough power, you'll be thrilled. I'd be pretty thrilled by it. I mean, there's not, uh, there, there's not, a lot to love but there's nothing to not like about eddie rosario as a a player so i could definitely get behind him being a type of player that can help my lineup for sure wrapping up this tier here we have tommy fam we have max kepler we have anthony santan dare fam gonna sign somewhere provide a steady source of homers and stolen bases uh, double digits in both for sure. 20 homer upside, 15 stolen base upside from Tommy Pham. Been a couple years since he hit for a decent average, but him getting back into the 270 range isn't out of the question necessarily. Uh, Max Kepler should be 18 homers, hopefully 8 to 10 stolen bases. Has flashed 30-plus power in the past. Could also be traded out of Minnesota this season, which would help his value a solid or decent maybe outfield five with nice power speed combo and then uh fam 
and Kepler and Santander. Santander being my favorite of the bunch. Solid fifth outfielder falling below his ADP in all my drafts. One at the end of round 22 of my TGFBI league, Lucas. That's close to 50 picks later than he's going on a regular basis. He can hit around 20 homers, 130 or so RBI plus runs, and pretty locked in for playing time too. Anthony Santander's in outfield five is something I can live with. Absolutely. Similar to Hayes and Mancini, I've been scooping up some Santander switch hitter as well. So he's going to, uh, you know, he's going to play. You're buying him low as well. He has, he's had better seasons than he's had in 2021. And he was still able to get 18 homers and, and 110 games with solid counting stats and an average that won't crush you too much. So I like that. He's a cheap plug and play guy who can also be streamed at home where he's going to have better numbers than on the road. Fam is a really interesting uh, speed spec play. People view him as being a massive injury-prone guy, and while I certainly do agree, he had a fully healthy season last year, and I don't know, he's going cheap enough where you can you can pass that health risk by a little bit for a 15-15 kind of floor and upside for more. Kepler, on the other hand, I kind of like him more in DCs where you just need the guaranteed playing time because he'll provide some homers, a little bit of speed, but the average is uh, it's a challenge. So the only reason I like him more in DCs is because I, I think he's locked in for playing time. But for a fab league, I think that his batting average is kind of too, too killer to, to hold on to him. I can feel you on that one for sure, um, especially because it's been a few years since he's done it. Uh, spec plays is the final tier here. We got Ramon Laureano, Andrew McCutcheon, Joe Adele, Michael Brantley, Mark Canna, Raimel Tapia, Brandon Nimmo, Manuel Margot, Connor Joe, Lane Thomas, and Adolis Garcia. We'll start with Laureano, Kutch, and Joe Adele. Laureano is going to miss a month of the season as he finishes serving the PED suspension. But if you can survive with uh, him clogging up a bench spot, I have no problem taking him in the 215 to 230 range of your draft. He's a 2015 caliber player. Decent batting average. Could also be traded to a better team with a better ballpark once he returns to action and the A's start and eventually complete their fire sale. Andrew McCutcheon, only reason why he's not going earlier and the only reason why I don't own him yet is because he could retire. And if he doesn't, we have no idea where he's going to play and how often he might play. If he does play, he will produce, so take a shot on him in the reserve rounds. Joe Adele hasn't been the greatest start to his MLB career, but he's just 22 years old. Very impressive minor league track record on a team with tons of talent in the lineup. If he gets to play 140 or more games, might deliver 20 homers, decent runs, and RBI totals. Maybe even steal some bags i still think he could be a future star but chances are it's not happening in 2022 too much he needs to work on still i will probably not be owning him yeah i i unfortunately don't have him either of course he was one of our favorite prospects coming up and uh he hasn't lived up i'll to take a Rosarena in that trade thanks steve that's true and and look i wouldn't be shocked if adele did go off this year he has a lot to like. The fact that he cut down his strikeout rate in the majors compared to AAA is a humongous sign, considering that was his biggest weakness. The steals are a little not there, so that's a kind of a big problem. But I think if you're looking for 22 homers and maybe a 250 average, if he uh, does well, that's good. And, you know, there's a chance he could do more, but his floor is also lower to the point where he could be sent back to Salt Lake AAA, so... I don't know. I can kind of get it, but I haven't gone for him since I'm looking for more floor plays. 
which has also led me astray from uh, Loriano sucking up a bench spot. Uh, the fact that there is going to be a full season is actually a huge benefit for Loriano because he only now is going to miss 27 games, which that would have uh, been a bigger share of the pie if the season was delayed. So that's good. I just personally don't want to start off my team with players that I can't use, which is kind of why I'm trying to avoid injury risks like DeGrom uh, or uh, Max Muncy types. So Loriano has kind of also been off my radar. He's a good player. Whenever he's playing, I'm sure I'll wish I had him somewhere, but just kind of avoided him as well. And with McCutcheon, I have him on a couple of leagues, I think. Hopefully he can uh, bounce back batting average-wise. A 222 average last year was a killer, but he's been more of a 250 guy the past few years, and I think that he can uh, rise back up to that area. Plus he walks a ton, which I think is going to give him a real-life value for a team to slot him in in the number two spot with the NLDH. I think he could be a run-scoring machine, and uh, I'm hopeful he can end up in a good lineup somewhere. I'd love to see Kutch continue to play. Always been a big fan of his for sure. Mark Canna, Michael Brantley, and Brandon Nimmo. Um, City Field, not a great hitter's park, but it's still a step up for Canna considering he was in Oakland throughout his career. Mets lineup, solid one. Uh, Canna added some speed to his game as well. Can probably hit you 15 to 20 homers, swipe 8 to 12 bags. Solid outfield five. Michael Brantley, awesome real-life player. Can help boost your average. Otherwise, pretty boring in terms of fantasy value. Not much power, very little speed. Does hit in a good lineup, though, and could provide some solid runs. Then Brandon Nimmo hits for a decent average. Great in on-base percentage leagues, but I worry about the playing time and his lack of power. Career best is just 17 homers, and it came five years ago. Pass for me on Nimmo might be helpful to some in certain formats. I'm going to pass on Nimmo as well. I think he's a solid ball player, but there is certainly injury risk, and he's very limited power. He's limited speed. He's limited RBIs, so you're not looking at a ton outside of if you're playing like a 20-team league or if you're playing an OBP, then he has some value. Uh, surprisingly still young though only 28 but Canha on the other hand is kind of going downhill for me as well his his line last year was impeccable Lou I'm telling you 17 homers 12 steals I mean you'll take that all day with 93 runs but I think the homers are going to slip back and I think the steals could slip back as well since he's 33 uh, batting average has always kind of been a liability outside of 2019 and you know liability and average uh, not amazing power and the speed could dry up I just haven't gone for it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he just has a, another uh, solid but uh, overlooked uh, good year. Brantley's power has slipped as well. It's kind of been the case with all three of these guys, really. Uh, but the average is locked in, and he's going to be hitting in a good lineup. In a league with IL spots, I like him more because similar to George Springer, he's had some leg issues that have caused some, some missed time but I think that they could actually DH him from time to time and even put Jordan out in the field. I know that might make some people cringe, but it can help uh, Brantley stay a little bit fresher since he's about uh, 10 years older than Alvarez. It's definitely a good point there for sure, um, but certainly is a very good real-life player, guy I'm a fan of just fantasy-wise, um, starting to pass more and more as time's gone on. Ramal Tapia, Lane Thomas, and Connor Joe. Tapia is a decent average, solid runs producer, 20-plus stolen base possibilities too, but the power is just not what you want. If you just want stolen base from an outfielder and you want it later in the draft, Tapia is going to do it for you around pick 250. Lane Thomas, with regular playing time, which we expect to be the case this season for Washington, 
Could be 10-12 homers, 10-12 stolen bases, nothing special but helpful as a bench bat, boring player with not a lot of upside. And Connor Joe, he's probably the one I like the best of these three guys. He was excellent down the stretch for the Rockies uh, and only in... 179 at bats. He batted 285, eight homers, 35 RBI, 23 runs. If you believe he can maintain that pace, and I, for one, am on that side of the uh, debate potentially here, is 20 homer type of guy, 280 average, 75 RBI, 60 plus runs. And this is a guy you're getting in round 22, 21 of a 15 team league. I mean, um, absolutely no risk at all with pretty decent upside, actually. There absolutely is. He's late enough there. He can be streamed at home as well. Uh, I mean, a guy that has those kind of power numbers and doesn't even strike out 20% of the time with the ability to call Coors Field home, it's pretty sexy to me. The question is, is will the Rockies jerk his chain around a little bit and not give him playing time? That is a, a concern, but it's also baked into the price. And I have a few shares, and I'm happy with those. Tapia, on the other hand, some similarities with Nemo, a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more health and some more steals, but still I think that you're kind of paying for a career year with him. Six homers in a full season last year is rough. He's not going to go over 10 homers. And if those steals dry up, I think you're going to maybe be in a world of pain if you're kind of relying on him. So he's kind of a fade for me. He's not a very good hitter. And honestly, I just, I don't know. I could see him losing his job potentially since he isn't a very good hitter. His WRC plus over the span of his career, lube is 22% worse than league average, and that's kind of even factoring in course. Thomas, yeah, any other? That's 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 some good stuff there, man. It's it's kind of scary. I mean, I don't own him. Yeah. Um, but in, in like in like a 12 team league, I'm thinking, um, you know, I'll try take him with my last pick for some stolen stream bases, him maybe. At home. Yeah. Stream stream him at home. Look, I love doing that, but I just know that. If you're kind of relying on him for steals last year, he had a 76 WRC plus, and he's been in that range multiple years. Going to kill your power, and uh, I don't know. That's just kind of a tough pill to swallow for me. Uh, but with Lane Thomas, a lot of people will be surprised that we have him down this slow, and I do get that. He's kind of an uncertain player where I think he could take a step back potentially, and he just strikes that too much for my liking. Uh, around 25% K rate and he isn't really that much of a power bat and he also hasn't you know taken the role and guaranteed that it's his Uh, I just I could see him potentially fizzling out and even though there is some upside there's just not enough for me to want to go in on Thomas fair enough man we got two more players here in Manuel Margot and Adolis Garcia Margot might be traded he might remain in Tampa either way uh, he's entering his prime power years, and if everything goes right for him, could be a 15-15 caliber player. I would like to see him traded, mainly because I think his value would rise due to him getting more regular playing time somewhere else. Low-end outfield five, solid bench bat. And Adolis Garcia, last year was insane, man. I mean, 31 homers, 16 stolen bases, 90 RBIs. Not many people, including myself, expect a repeat performance or even really close to it. Uh, but if he falls past 200 overall kind of hard not to take a gamble in at least a league if you're looking for an outfielder maybe even if he only bats 220 which would be kind of atrocious if he can deliver 20 homers and let's say 12 or 13 stolen bases that can be considered valuable at that point that's true and in, in a lot of drafts i've seen him slip past pick 220 at times because 
a lot of people are seeing the same 31% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate that we are. His line last year is remarkable. It needs to be celebrated. But I think that there is a lot of risk that this guy ends up back in AAA and in a hurry because Texas wants to win. They're not going to just give him a full leash to see what happens. They want to win. And he's completely off my board uh, for the most part. I mean, maybe if he picks, if he slipped past like pick 260, 280 in the Will Myers range, I'd maybe have a tough debate there, but that doesn't happen. So I'm not interested. And on the opposite side, a guy that's made me feel really good is Manuel Margot. I think that this guy, if he were to get traded, he does have 2020 potential since all he really needs is more playing time volume. I've seen some smart guys out there. Uh, Joe Gentile giving him a shout out. He, he coined Margot as his, this year's, uh, Cedric Mullins, I thought that was a fantastic call. And uh, I'll be honest, I've been trading wow. for Mark. If that happens, been... if that happens, <laughs> we got to bring him on the show ASAP. I know, right? He's had some great calls too. So Joe, Joe Gentile, well worth a follow. But, uh, you know, I've been able to go out and scoop up some Margot in Dynasty anticipating a trade, kind of like I did with uh, Willie Adamas last year. And if he gets the more playing time, I think 2020 with it. But he needs to hit for more power to do that. You can't just pace out his numbers and see that. But... If he hits for a tick more power with a regular roll and uh, steals at the same rate, I think you could see a huge jump for him. Even if he stays on the same team, 15-15 at this spot in the draft with his defense, that'll cement his playing time. I think that's worth it too. You really had to bring up Willie Adamas, huh? Remember what I showed you um, in my MLB The Show franchise with the Pirates? Willie Adamas, 42 homers, 130 RBIs, followed up with 30 homer, 106 RBI. If he does something like that, uh, Brewer fans are going to be really happy with Willie Adamas. Kind of a discount uh, Carlos Correa for them if he uh, has somewhat of a repeat of last year, so I hear you. Yeah, um, I mean, I know. I remember on the shortstop show, you had mentioned him saying something about the, I think it was the lighting at Tropicana Field really kind of um, effed with his sight, and yes. um, getting out of the trop has really helped him. So that might be something that, um, you know, could be true because based on the numbers he put up, it certainly seems to be the case. The uh, the road splits have backed that up. So even though that is kind of a narrative, uh, I've seen some some numbers that uh, do support that statement. So it makes a ton of sense. Absolutely, my man. Any final thoughts here? Uh, final thoughts on outfield. Uh, just once again, thanks for anyone uh, for listening in on our position previews. This is our last episode here. Um, so we'll have some more stuff coming out as the as the season kind of starts to get closer. Well, as uh, free agents start to sign too, I'm sure we'll break those down. That's true. That's true. That uh, that'll be another opportunity. But thanks again for listening in on our previews and with outfield, it's a rich position. Go ahead and find some targets that you want. Make sure you have plenty. So in case you get sniped, you have some other options. But it's a rich position and it's a position that can be waited on. So. Just get those late targets and, and go from there. Yeah, definitely you can try to map out an entire team um, based on where you're going to be taking your outfielders and who you're taking and why you're taking them. So uh, good stuff there. Hope you guys enjoyed all of our positional rankings. This has been the Lucas Baseball Podcast, Outfield Rankings Part 2, brought to you by DrRoto.com. Lou Landers with Lucas Beery. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.